0: Elandon Roberts is on a two-year contract. Cole Holcomb is on a two-year contract. Oh my goodness, bring them back and hope for the best with Holcomb. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates that I hope you'll check out as well. A lot's happened. Over the past few days, new offensive coordinator in particular, Arthur Smith, rightly gaining all of the headlines. Understandably and legitimately a very hot topic in a city where we take our offensive coordinators way too seriously. Quarterbacks can't talk enough about quarterbacks. Will it be Mason Rudolph as it should be? Will it be Kenny Pickett? Great, great fair. Excellent off-season fodder. I am all about the inside linebackers for 2024. You will hear this from me repeatedly. It'll be a copy-paste subject for me. Because I have had it with this position being in the state. It's been in ever since that one night in Cincinnati. Ryan Shazier got hurt. At some point, the storylines got to come to a close. And it can't be forced. They tried forcing it. Let's move up and get Devin Bush at number 10 overall. Ooh, awesome. Hey, guess what? He's really small. Nobody told us he was small. Oh, also, not only can't he tackle, he doesn't want to tackle. That's a heck of a thing. Classic case of anointment. By the Steelers' management. Let's just hope that he's this thing, or let's hope that he's just as good as Devin White, which they also probably fooled themselves into leading into that draft. Let's grab him and let's turn him into that player that we hope that he can be. None of it worked. Vince Williams, old school inside linebacker, did everything in his very big heart to fill that hole, but as Vinny has acknowledged himself since retirement, no position in the league changed quite the way his did over the course of his career. So what did Omar Khan specifically do about this? He said, I'm going to get an inside linebacker. Oh, and you know what else? I'm going to get another inside linebacker. And then just for kicks, I'm going to get a third one. And so all three of them become a tight unit, become a group of, I mean, it's my show so I can say this, right? Like, they became badasses. They were the guys that you were watching for in the fields in Latrobe to do that Vinny kind of stuff where you go and you just blindside somebody for no reason just to show them who's boss. That was Elandon. That was Quan. That was Cole. That was how they they rolled together as a group. After a preseason game, I believe this was in Atlanta, I was walking out of a Mike Tomlin press conference, and Elandon is waiting to go next, and Tomlin gestures to me by pointing at Elandon and says, that's the guy you ought to be interviewing. That's how much Tomlin had already embraced these guys. He felt like he had himself something, and you know what he did, and then Cole goes down, then Quan goes down, and then Illandon, who was supposed to be a one-down or two-down linebacker, was thrust not only into playing all three downs, but but playing through injuries that he probably wouldn't have had to play through later in the season. He really, really, really had to carry his position as much or more than any player on either side of the football for this team. He was outstanding. I'd love to see him back. I'd love to see Cole be healthy enough to come back. And you know what? I'm still not done. I'm still not done. It's funny how anytime anybody brings up the draft, it's always, well, let's get a center because we're all mad at Mason Cole. Let's get a defensive lineman because it's the next phase or the next wave. At that position with Cam Hayward getting older, Larry Oak and Joby being up there, DeMarvin Leal is a bust. But there are times in this program when I'm talking directly to you, not to the mythical you, not to the uh, speculative you, to the actual you. And I'm going to ask you right now if you've just given up on drafting inside linebackers. Has Has Bush totally sucked the life out of you, the belief out of you that you'll ever see a high-grade inside linebacker playing in Pittsburgh out of the draft ever again post year. I think so, okay? And again, I'm still looking at you here. Nobody mentioned, have you noticed this? Nobody, nobody, nobody ever says inside linebacker. Oh, yeah, I got to get an inside line. Well, they do. Go ahead and draft one. Go ahead and draft one with a very high pick. Have them come in and wreak some havoc. Have them come in and learn from these other guys. Have them see what it's like to be part of a pack or a posse at a given position. Because that's the mentality that you need to play inside linebacker in the NFL anywhere, really, but specifically for the Steelers. These guys, Elandon, Cole, and Quan, were Steelers. Hopefully, a couple of them still are, and ideally, they'll have a youngster that they can groom as well when we come back, J1Q. Luxembourg, Garbit, Kelly, and George. LGKG is a personal injury law firm in Western Pennsylvania that represents people hurt in car accidents or who need help with workers' comp or medical malpractice. When the attorneys at LGKG make you a promise, they keep it. They've been keeping promises in our region for over 80 years. LGKG's been AV-rated, the highest rating a law firm can receive, and they've been designated super lawyers. That's actually a thing for over 15 years. It's a rare combination. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. Learn more about them by visiting lgkg.com or by calling 888 842 5454 lgkg Today's J1Q comes from Tony, who says, DK, according to your own reporting, Matt Canada's offense was horrible, with details as demonstrated by sloppy routes, lazy execution, etc. Do you think... Arthur Smith will be a stickler for details. It seems that's what this team needs almost as much as scheme slash play design. Tony, I'm not going to argue with any of that. I am going to claim willful ignorance when it comes to knowing what Smith's reputation might or might not have been in Atlanta or at other stops. My guess is that you'd never succeed at the level that he did in Nashville unless you had all of this stuff working for you. You wouldn't have a 2,000-yard rusher, a 1,000-yard receiver, and a 30-touchdown quarterback in the same season if you weren't making sure that everybody's on the same page. You also probably wouldn't have gotten a head coaching gig. I know it's become really cool for everybody to just bring up the the three teams that he coached with the Falcons all stunk. They were all 7 and 10. That's, to me, the epitome of laziness when it comes to analyzing a specific job performance. And that's why I'm not going anywhere near evaluating Smith's job performance in Atlanta. I don't have anything to say about it. I do believe that there is a fit to be had in Pittsburgh for a coordinator who's heavy on the run. That's been basically the beginning and the end of my assessment of the Smith hire. I've got... My eyes and ears wide open from there, and I'm going to give the man a chance. I think that's fair. But in order to get the job in the NFL, never mind the actual job, to get it, you've got to convince a lot of people within that operation that's hiring that you can handle the whole thing, that you can manage discipline, that you can manage crises when they occur that you can manage, or maybe manage isn't the right word for this one, motivate the people that are there with you. Everything that you and I have seen, heard, or read out of Atlanta since Smith's firing was that the players liked him, that this was not a coach-slash-player issue, this was not a relationship issue, and it was most certainly not a mutiny of any kind. Arthur Blank is 81. He looked at three straight 7 and 10 seasons, and he's like, man, I'm 81. I'd really rather see if I can step on the gas with some other method here. I, I'm not sure that I would overanalyze this one. And Blank himself said in the statement in which the Falcons fired Smith, That Smith was valued for his relationships, he was valued for his work ethic, and he was valued, and I'm going to single this one out, for the culture that he brought to the Falcons. That's not me saying it, that's not Smith saying it, that was blank saying it when he didn't need to. He said that to the guy on the way out. So does that mean he's going to be some great disciplinarian who really, really takes charge of the offense, allows Tomlin to focus on other things? notably his beloved defense, I can't know that. I'm going to wait and see on that. But does that mean that Smith would listen to someone like Najee Harris? Not that Harris is running the team, although it can sound like that at times. But does he sit down with someone who is clearly a leader on this team and say, you know, I'm aware of some of the comments that you made late in the season about how things need to be more tightly run and everything. Let's talk about it. Let's see what ideas you have. I'm open to hearing what you have to say if you're open to hearing what I have to say. That's a conversation worth having. Same thing goes for the quarterback. Same thing goes for everybody who's a part of that offense. You'd want to hear from everyone what their ideas are, not only for themselves, but for their teammates, but also for the culture. I'd be really, really surprised if when the Steelers do finally get around to commenting on Smith, and we might have to wait for the owners meetings for that, for real, that's going to be a while. This is a dead period for media coverage of your favorite team. I'd be really surprised if that didn't come up, meaning without even being asked. I appreciate the question. Really good one and a fair one as well. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers, and we'll be back with another one of these on Monday.